Hello and welcome to the Exit Velo podcast presented by Back Sports Page. I am your host for the evening. Uh, don't get too used to it, Henry. I'm joined here by my longtime colleague, Adam, and also joined here tonight uh, by Ben Rossi, who will be joining the show. We are very excited to have you, Ben. So uh, please tell us a little bit about yourself, Ben. Uh, let the viewers get to know you. Thank you, Henry. Yeah, I'm really excited to be joining this show as well. I mean, nothing like nothing like the week before the baseball season, just hearing that baseball craze, like whenever I'm going through tough times and stuff, baseball just always seems to be one of those things that's a real healing factor to get us through tumultuous times like this. And I mean, obviously, normally we'd be in like the heart of the baseball season now at the All-Star break. But yeah, nothing like nothing like baseball. So glad to be joining the team and and taking us through the baseball season on back sports and yeah it's just been it's just been enjoyable i've been a, I'm, I'm a diehard oakland athletics fan over all the years been been following them through the years Moneyball and all that still hope though to see them win a world series in my lifetime still haven't seen that but like they've had just been such a storied franchise fun to watch lower payroll but yeah i'm also just a big baseball fan look forward to covering and seeing how the mlb shapes up in this shortened 60 game season never seen before other than like strike seasons that weren't even completed absolutely man we are thrilled to have you on uh thrilled to have a little bit of west coast representation as well uh we already had adam and ryan holding it down in new york uh, i'm kind of our, our middle of the country guy out in kentucky uh, but now you've kind of completed the Transcontinental Railroad of sorts for our <laughs> podcast, uh, giving us that Cali representation. So thank you, Ben. We are looking forward to getting to know you better and talking some baseball, picking your brain. Uh, so tonight we are going to be discussing the AL East, a division, uh, like I said, near and dear to Adam's heart as a Yankee <laughs> fan. Uh, and it's an exciting division. It's, it's one of the better ones in baseball, possibly the best. Uh, we will discuss that. Uh, but before we dive in, uh, I should mention too, we, we already did an AL East preview. I think that was back February-ish. Uh, so we're re redoing the preview now uh, to account for the 60-game season and just because we're excited for baseball in eight days. Uh, so we'll dive in a little bit of news and notes uh, on the division before we get started. There's no notable opt-outs uh, as far as AL East players who have decided to sit out the season. Uh, there have been some notable players who've tested positive uh, for COVID-19, namely DJ LeMayhew and Araldis Chapman for your Yankees, Adam. Um, and I believe those were more recent. I know Chapman was, that was within the last couple of days, right? Yeah, that sounds right. So that may be something that could linger into opening day, uh, but you know, I should point out that within the players in the division that have tested for positive for COVID, there are varying uh, varying timelines there. Some guys are already back in camp. Some it's, it's just happened. And, you know, that's that's kind of a reminder that all season it's, it's going to be happening. It's not going away anytime soon. So there's going to be updates to come. Uh, other notable guys, Erod for the Red Sox. Um, Ed, really, as far as like big name players, that's pretty much it. Fortunately, there haven't been a whole lot of guys. Am, am I missing any any notable guys you all want to talk about? I don't think there's too many other notable players. It's if you see on the list that we have here, I, th I think I saw like uh, Darwin's and Hernandez of the Red Sox or Anthony Santander of the Orioles. Just kind of 
these low-level guys. The biggest name, of course, is LeMahieu and Chapman, but LeMahieu is asymptomatic, and Chapman has mild symptoms. But mo- all these guys are healthy, so they should be all right in the long run. Thank you for reminding us uh, of that, Adam, that, that help, be, the players being healthy, that is our, our biggest concern and happy to hear that, obviously. Um, and, you know, for the most part, these guys are in really good shape and most of them should be OK to go. But you do still run the risk of infecting other people. Uh, so definitely going to be keeping those guys in our thoughts going forward. Um, so before we get going, breaking down the division, I wanted to do a little word exercise and I didn't warn you guys about this cause I wanted organic answers. So I want to just go through and we're going to name the teams in the division and without thinking, tell me the first word that pops into your mind when I say Yankees, Adam, uh, 28th for 20th world series, because I think, I think we got the team this year. I feel like we've had the team the last few years. So hopefully 2020 will be the Yankees 20th World Series and hopefully they can make it happen, especially with Cole on their team now. That's a good one, a confident one. Ben, what, what happens, uh, what comes to mind when you hear Yankees? Oh, well, it, this has always come to mind, money. Like just them always <laughs> being the, I mean, they're not only the richest franchise in baseball, but I think the richest franchise in sports. And this off season was no exception. I mean, especially with giving Garrett Cole that record $324 million, 10 year $324 million contract, which at the time was the highest paid in baseball until Strasburg got his contract. But yeah, money, how they're able to take all these players from other teams and really invest and go all out. They got DJ LeMay here from the Rockies, last year and that huge investment ended up paying off and yeah i mean this year they this year they really went all out because i mean the yankees whenever they've had a drought like this for world series because a 10-year drought like they have is considered pretty long for a team like the yankees they really go all out with the money and buying players same thing in 2009 with how they bought cc sabathia in the offseason then that ended up and aj burnett and that ended up having leading them to win the world series in 09. Yeah, I'd say money is definitely a good adjective to describe the Yankees as well. Uh, Very astute description there, Ben. Um, It'll be interesting to see if if the money pays off in a shortened season, if that's any different with the sample size. Um, I mean, you'd think 162 games is is probably more favorable to the juggernaut super teams like the Yankees, where they have more – a larger sample to assert their dominance, but I'm not too worried about them in a 60 game season either. I think they'll, they'll still be plenty dominant. Um, let's what comes to mind when you guys think Red Sox and I'm thinking, let, let's keep it brief uh, right now. We'll, we'll elaborate more on the team uh, moving forward, but just briefly, what do you think when you hear Red Sox, Adam? I would say overrated just because I think after giving up Beth and price, they don't have too much left. Sales injured. Erod has is out with COVID right now. They're not looking too hot, and I, I even think the Blue Jays can maybe overtake them at some point. Okay, overrated. Ben, Red Sox, you you feel the same way? Yeah, I kind of want to echo that that they're fairly overrated. They're more, I think, they're more just well recognized because they have a lot of like the stars and big names that like entertain, like how they have like a really amazing one through nine order and some remarkable hitters. But yeah, like. Adam was saying, I mean, they don't, with, with the lack of pitching depth, it just doesn't, it just doesn't seem like they really quite had the team to compete, especially in such a shortened season where you'll need pitching depth. I would agree the pitching is, is definitely a source of concern, but I'm going to cheat and do two words that come to mind for the Red Sox. For me, it'd be still good. 
I, I think they will be still pretty good. I like the lineup. I'll elaborate more on that in a little bit. Uh, briefly, what do you think about the Blue Jays? Adam, you sounded like you, you may have some nice things to say about the Blue Jays. I guess I have to choose one word, maybe just young, because they seem like they have a lot of young guys and Bobachette, Gavin Biggio, Kevin Biggio, excuse me, Vlad Guerrero Jr. So if their young guys can reach their potential, kind of be a bit ahead of the curve in a shortened season, they should be pretty good. Ben? Yeah, actually very similar with young guns. And I just think especially legacy, though. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's incredible that they have. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who can forget this whole legacy they have? Vlad, two sons of Hall of Famers, and then one son of a legend. I mean, Dante Bichette was not a Hall of Famer, but he was also a legend. It's just crazy how there's all these, like, so, so much legacy on one team. I mean, was the Blue Jays staff? Like, I just wonder if that – I haven't really looked. Was that intentional with all these drafts or whatnot? I, I just – or is that just coincidental that there's so many, like, sons of former players on the team? It, it looks like that was, like, a tiebreaker in their draft strategy at the very least. They, it, it seems intentional at this point, all the legacy guys. You definitely did steal my word there, Ben. <laughs> uh, Adam Young's probably the second one I would have gone with, so I will say Canada. Uh, for the Blue Jays. And so moving on, that leaves Tampa Bay. What do you guys think? Actually, that leaves Baltimore too, but we're going to do Tampa Bay first. I guess pitching, just look at their rotation. It could be easily best in all of baseball. Bullpen too, extremely underrated. Just a lot of low-profile guys who are, have really high strikeout rates. So it doesn't really matter what type of pitching they have, starter relief. They're really good. Ben? I would say underrated and possible champion this year, honestly. And they could give the Yankees a good run for their money in the AL East. And I think that because I was reading an article by MLB.com the other day. They they seem – if any – no team has been built for a 60-game season, but if any team is at all cut out for it, it is the Rays. I mean, if you look at – they're the one team who's used the starter, done various things with using utility players and pitching depth over the years, similar to what Joe Madden started there. And then now you current – their current manager Kevin Cash has continued that so I actually think the Rays are, are poised to be a huge competitor this year at, yeah, least, at least the wild card yeah I, I would agree with that and they definitely have pioneered some of those more quirky strategies that we're expecting to see more of this season so maybe that does give the the Rays a leg up I think that's a good perspective uh the one word I would say for the Rays would be grit uh, to where they don't really have a whole lot of flash. They have more so on the pitching side of things, but I think especially their hitters. It's kind of just not big-name guys. They just get the job done somehow and find a way to be good year after year and don't get paid a whole lot much or don't get paid a whole lot either. Um, so Orioles, in a word, and I mean, it's, it's probably just bad, right? Something along those lines. Yeah, mine was going to be awful, so yeah. pretty much along the same lines. There really aren't too many bright spots on the team. You could argue there are prospects, which we'll get into later. But hitting-wise, pitching-wise, just not even close to really really any team in baseball, it seems like. Agreed. They, uh, wasteland may be another word. But <laughs> yeah. Do you have just anything? Like bottom of the rebuild, yeah. Okay. You, you don't have anything nice to say about the Orioles? I mean, not really other than, like, potential future is bright. Like, there's light at the end yeah. of the tunnel with them. Yeah, sorry. I didn't mean to put you on the spot. Like, you have to say something nice about the Orioles because it's hard, man. Like, you, you have to dig pretty deep to 
to say positive things about them. But uh, thank you guys for indulging me with that word game there. That was fun. Uh, but I want to move into some other discussion questions. So looking in the perspective of a 60-game season, who are the big winners in the division, uh, both from a team perspective and from an individual perspective? Who are, who are our winners, Adam? So I think one of the obvious choices for players is Glaber Torres because he absolutely mashed – Orioles pitching. I even wrote an article about how he might be a little bit too overrated in a full season because his stats against the Orioles just influenced the rest of his season so much. But when you're getting, I forget the exact number, but it's around like eight games or so against the Orioles. And then you also get to face the Marlins too. I think it's going to go off. And we saw him bust 38 home runs last year. I wouldn't be surprised if he hits 15 to 20 this year. So I think he's a dark horse. Team wise, we, we talked about this a little bit in the group chat, but Yankees definitely look good because they have a lot of their players coming back. And I also like the Blue Jays who didn't look like they have the best of chances because they are very young and over the course of full season, they might not do well, but in a shortened season, anything can happen. Maybe some of their young guys would get in a hot streak and they can really tear up the division. Well, well said. Uh, I hadn't really thought too much about the impact of Glaber playing the Orioles that many more times, but he kills, I mean, not just the Orioles, all AL East pitching for the most part. I think uh, he does pretty well again. So big year for Torres. Could be uh, not such a hot take after all. Ben, were there any uh, any big winners in the division that stuck out from you or stuck out to you, I should say? Yeah, I mean, definitely the Yankees. And I think one Yankee in particular that's been a winner in this offseason because he's had real, a lot of time to rehab himself from last season's injuries that he was out for most of his John Carlos Stanton. And also with this universal DH every, like DH every day, they don't have to worry about playing National League teams. He's going to get a lot of good playing and rest time. And I'm expecting a big breakout year from John Carlos Stanton for sure. Yeah, I think he, he definitely another winner. Uh, the Yankees as a whole, I like them as a winner as well. You guys talked about it. Health was a big reason behind that, getting Judge extra time to rest, uh, getting Torres extra time to rest, Stanton extra time. It uh, just helps them. Um, I kind of I'll, – I'll talk about I think the Yankees might be losers a little bit too. Just And uh, I, I mentioned it before that they don't have 162 games to – assert their dominance in the larger sample size. Maybe they lose a little bit from that respect, but being healthy probably more than offsets that. I kind of thought of Boston and Toronto as winners as a whole, uh, kind of sticking with that mindset that in a shorter season, randomness kind of plays a bigger role to where those teams, nobody's saying they're as good as the Yankees, but in 60 games, who knows? Maybe you get hot and they can catch fire and, end up winning the division. So I, I do think they win a little bit. I don't think that logic really extends down to uh, the Orioles, for instance, because I don't think they uh, – I don't think even randomness can save them, basically. But um, I don't really know where, where I fall on the Rays in that argument because they're kind of in between, like, the Yankees, and I think they're, like, a tier in between them and then between the uh, Blue Jays and Red Sox as well. Would you guys agree with that? I don't know. I, I can see the Rays honestly winning the division because if they get up to a hot start, they'll be playing the Yankees a lot, did very well against them last year. And I think their pitching is good enough to silence the Yankees' bats. So I wouldn't be surprised to win the division, but it'll probably be neck and neck the entire time. So I would say they're even pretty much near the same level in terms of the Yankees. Just maybe not offensively, but pitching side, they just, 
I think they outrank them, maybe even bullpen wise too. I think they just have a lot of underrated guys. So I, I would say they're more in the Yankees tier than the Blue Jays and Red Sox tier. No Yankees bias coming from Adam tonight. And, and I, I'm saying that like Adam usually has Yankees <laughs> bias. He, he is always a very level-headed and, and fair analyst. And that was, that was no exception, sir. So well done. Appreciate it. <laughs> Um, now, what about, uh, Ben, were there any losers in the division that, that stuck out to you? What's well, interesting, I mean, throughout the offseason, before this whole COVID thing, I thought the Rays were big losers in it because, I mean, they've, they lost one of their top bats last season, Travis Darnode. And um, I think, I'm trying to remember who else they lost, but, like, yeah, just. Uh, I'm thinking Tommy, Tommy Pham. Pham. Yeah, yeah that, Tommy that was last year still, right? Yeah, Tommy Pham, they also had last year. They lost him, too. So it was like, I mean, the only, I feel like the only, like, real bat that I'm 100% sure about this season is maybe Austin Meadows, maybe Yandy Diaz. Brandon Lowe, the problem was, I mean, he wasn't healthy all of last season, so we'll have to see about that. So I just think maybe the Rays' offense overall might have taken a little bit of a blow, and that would be their biggest obstacle this offseason. I would, yeah, I agree with that. I have major question marks uh, with some of their offensive guys. And, you know, like I said, and talking about them being gritty, there's always question marks with their offense. And it always seems to be good enough. And granted, their pitching is always pretty good too. But they, they just seem to find the production somewhere and in unexpected places. Last year was Austin Meadows. Maybe that continues into this season. I think Yandy Diaz, you talked about him a little bit too, Ben. He'll be another. Another guy you can rely on in that lineup. I don't know if I really like Brandon Lowe all that much. I think he strikes out too much for, for my liking, but he hits home runs too. But everybody kind of hits home runs these days. So I don't know. I don't want to, don't buy in too much to that, I guess. Um, but I, I thought AL East pitchers as a whole are kind of losers from moving to a 60 game season and that there's just no escape. Like this whole division is so hitter friendly. Even the terrible Orioles, you have to go hit in Baltimore, which is great hitters environment. So I think AL East pitchers as, as a whole, you're going to see numbers tick up a little bit and that you don't get to go play the Royals or uh, the Tigers. Sorry, that's the other terrible team I was thinking of. You don't get to go play the Mariners. There, there's not as many escapes. And then when you do escape, it's the NL East and stacked lineups there that you're going to have to face. So I think I think AL East pitchers may, uh, may be down a little bit this year. Adam, am I off base there? No, I think you have uh, some pretty good reason there. The only thing is if everyone's struggling in the AOEs, that'll be pretty consistent throughout, and every pitcher's not really immune to the home run ball, so it might be all right. And there's going to be some weird stats regardless this year. But in addition to the AOEs, they also play the NOEs, which feature the Braves, the Phillies, the Nationals, and the Mets, who all have pretty good offenses. So they're not immune there. The only two bad teams are the Marlins and the Orioles. And even the Marlins, they're – Offense got slightly better this year. They might try to run the base paths a bit more, so maybe they can shock a little bit too. So I think the AL East pitchers um, definitely lose out a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And a good point that yeah, even the Marlins getting a little bit better and definitely some tough matchups coming there uh, in the NL East. But you're, you, all, you make another good point too that it's not something we can pick apart and say only Garrett Cole, this hurts you. It probably you know will be an impact that's kind of felt by everybody. And I'm glad you started talking about the NL East as well. I think everybody would agree that that combined region, the, the two Easts are the strongest of the three regions in baseball for sure. 
Is the AL East the best division in baseball? Ben, what do you think? Ooh, it's, it's that's another tough one. I think I mean I think the NL East is maybe just slightly stronger because I mean the NL East you have four you have four teams with potential to be competitors. AL East you just have three. Like I just really don't see the Blue Jays even being a potential competitor necessarily. So I'd have to go with. I think that definitely the whole East region as a combination, the NL and AL, is by far going to be the the hardest to catch in the league for sure. West is. West, the thing is, I mean, AOS is pretty strong, but I don't know. The NL West is just only has like one real powerhouse. So I'm just don't, so I'm going to say the East is definitely. And then the Central, I mean, <laughs> you can kind of forget about it. that division was like a really easy one last year. The AL Central, that is. NL Central wasn't that great last year either. Yeah, that was week too. I was going to say. <laughs> A certain uh, certain third baseman plays in the NL Central. I'm, I'm repping him on the on the wall behind me there. Yep, I'm a Cubs fan, uh, and I don't know if we've covered that, but I guess it was yeah, probably I pretty think, obvious. I think, but, but yeah. Um, but I yeah I I agree. Uh, Adam, do you think that it's the best division in baseball, the AL East? I'm really not buying that the East is better. I think they're like what Ben was mentioning. They're kind of top heavy, like the NL West, and how. There's like one or two teams that are really good, but not too many teams are competitive. I think if you're looking at it in terms of strength, probably maybe the ALS because the Astros and A's look really good. The Angels and Rangers are more competitive. And I think, dare I say, maybe even just as competitive, if not more so than the Red Sox and Blue Jays. And even the Central, I know they're they're weak for the most part. And there's like, I, I know that's going to hurt Henry's feelings a little bit. <laughs> I'm sitting here like a little bit upset, but... But there's know, more, there is more competition in the centrals, which is interesting. I feel like at least in NL Central, that might be the most exciting division in terms of just because there's four teams really vying for the playoffs. And who knows? Maybe the Pirates will surprise everyone. But that one, that one doesn't seem too, too likely. Maybe Mitch Keller will lead them a little bit. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to say maybe the Central, the NL Central, could be the most competitive division. I don't, I don't think it's the best division. Maybe it's the best race, but uh, I'm going AL East overall. I liked your AL West uh, pick, though. Ben. You, you alluded to it, but I liked uh, Adam sold it too. I hadn't really heard that uh, picked too often as, as the best division. I almost always hear AL East or NL East. But oh no, I, th- I still think those are stronger. I mean, but yeah, you know, I think that. There's a decent argument to be made for the AL West, at least. And, you know, that's maybe where the, the West Coast representation helps out a little bit, even though Adam Adam was on that way, too. So just just good to have a diverse cast here, fellas, and in terms of geography, at least. Um, but moving on, another uh, discussion question before we break down, uh, break into our team breakdowns, is the COVID-19 outlook any different for the AL East than any other division in baseball? What do you guys think about that one? Can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Like, like do you mean, yeah. Well, I mean, it's, I don't know. Like, I obviously the cities are different. So that I kind of, I guess, lends to the argument that it is going to be different. Like, does the AL East have any more to fear than like the AL West, I suppose? But, you know, then again, I, I, when I wrote this question, I was kind of thinking like, I don't know, maybe the ALE shuts down and then the AL West wouldn't. So maybe it's kind of a dumb question and that if any city is struggling, that the whole league is going to suffer. 
So I let, let's just ignore this one and move that move on. Saying it out loud, that that did seem like uh, just for a second. I, I get what you're saying a bit because like Ailey has a lot of travel between like Canada to New York to Florida. So I think what you were trying to get at, correct me if I was wrong, if I'm wrong, but how it's just a lot of travel and that could be maybe harder for COVID-19. But I think regardless if they're flying or however way they're they're going about it, they're putting themselves at risk and they'll try to take every precaution to avoid that risk. So I don't think it would impact them too, too much more. Okay. Thank you for, for bailing me out there, Adam. I kind of was not totally sure what I was thinking when I was writing down this discussion question, but you, you did kind of catch my drift there that I, I think travel, especially crossing the border uh, into Toronto could be something uh, to be concerned about. I, I read some reports earlier today that the Blue Jays might actually have to play their home games from within the United States, which I mean, maybe home field advantage isn't as impacted if you don't have uh, fans in the stands anyways, but just another way that, that COVID-19 is impacting this game. Um, but Let's, Ben, I'm sorry, I don't want to cut you off if you have anything. I know it was kind of a oh, weird yeah. discussion question. Okay, cool. Then we'll move in. We've talked a lot about COVID-19 uh, the past couple months. We can we can now hopefully move in and start talking about actual baseball. Um, so let's let's touch back on the Yankees. Um, what, and we, we said what comes to mind when we think about them. Adam, can you elaborate a little bit more? If we're just looking at the Yankees resume, what, what are some of their strengths? You should know better than any of us. Well, the Yankees definitely ha got all their bats back in the lineup. Like Stanton's healthy, Hits is healthy, Judge is healthy. So they'll be even more dangerous than last year, which is hard to believe. They had all those injuries, and they still mashed, what, 306 home runs or so. So the Yankees look really sharp hitting-wise. They have Garrett Cole in the rotation, which is great, and that just makes Tanaka, Paxton, Montgomery and Hap look all that much better. So even starting pitching-wise, they still boast one of the best in baseball now with Cole on top of the hill. Bullpen's always going to be great with Chapman, Canely, Adovino, Britton, you, you name it. Pretty much it seems the like Yankees have little flaws. Maybe they strike out a bit too much. Maybe their defense isn't as great in the infield. But besides that, they, they seem like almost a fantasy-level team. Ben? You, uh, oh, you concur with Adam's assessment. I will concur with Adam's assessment, but I have to I have some nitpicking I need to do about the Bronx Bombers here. All right. I will have to bomb on the party a little bit because I think everything I think they are they are looking, I mean, merely flawless in every in, in every part of the game. I mean, their starting rotation looks great. Bullpen is totally figured out even without a role. I mean, even without a role as Chapman, all these other guys in the bullpen like Tommy Kenley, Zach Britton. Adam Odovino, all of them. I mean, all of them made 60 appearances last year and held hitters to just 200 batting average. So that was something remarkable in and of itself. With that in mind, though, I think DJ LeMayhew having tested positive, I, I, I mean, in, I don't know how much of an impact, but like, I don't know if he's going to start to play, but if he's not in the lineup, I actually think that could have a bigger impact than people think. I think DJ LeMayhew is one of the more underrated impact players in the league and the reason why i'm saying that is because in the league where you see a lot of guys striking out yankees no exception with how they finished in the top half and strikeouts dj lemay who i've been feeling these days one thing i love about him is he's one of the few line drive hitters who isn't like a just a big power hitter who gets a lot of his hits by line drives these days who's still left in the game and he and i mean he's kind of that rare breed like buster only was talking about baseball tonight podcast last year so 
I mean, not having him in the lineup could maybe be a little bit hurtful for the Yankees if they if since they have a lot, since a lot of the other guys are just power hitters one through nine. But I mean, I'm not sure though. I think DJ LeMahieu will be there for the start of the season. Do you think? Yeah, LeMahieu is asymptomatic, so if he's going to miss any games, it probably won't be too too many. They usually have to be quarantined for around seven days to two weeks. So I, I think he should be all right. But I, I do agree with you. He's out for a period of time that will really hurt because they call him the machine for a reason. He kind of set the tone for the rest of the lineup really good in that leadoff role. So hopefully he's able to stay healthy for the year. Yeah, I, I love hearing the LeMayhew love. Um, you know, everybody loves Aaron Judge. Uh, some people, I think, might love Giancarlo Stanton when he's healthy. Uh, but you know, DJ LeMahieu kind of maybe an unheralded guy. I, you know, I'm, I'm not a, a Yankees fan on the front lines in New York, so maybe I wouldn't know as well as Adam, but seems like kind of an under the radar guy who you, you mentioned it, Ben, setting the table for those sluggers in the middle of the lineup. That is a very important role and a unique skill set in that lineup. So I think the Yankees definitely, uh, he makes them go. So I, I think they would want him back, obviously, as soon as possible. Um, but Adam, you kind of covered it pretty well. Also, there's not a whole lot of weaknesses to pick out with the Yankees. It's, it's probably the best bullpen in baseball. Uh, I, I, you know, I'll, I'll kind of segue into weaknesses and, and leave it at that. I, the Yankees are obviously really good. I think they're probably the best team in baseball. Hitting is awesome. Pitching, uh, bullpen is dominant. But one of their weaknesses that I do want to start talking about is I don't think the starting rotation is all that great after Garrett Cole. James Paxton uh, is good, too, and I think he will benefit from a 60-game sample size. I uh, definitely should uh, – I should have mentioned him in the winners earlier. But after that, it gets a little bit ugly. With I, I don't like J.A. Happ all that much. I don't like Jordan Montgomery. And Tanaka has upside, but I've, I've seen the numbers be pretty ugly for him at times, too. Uh, so, you know, I'm a little bit worried there, but I think the bullpen and the hitters is obviously good enough to make up for it. What's your all's level of concern with the Yankees rotation? I'll have to agree with you about, like, the, about that, about the uncertainty with Happ. And I'm also uncertain about Masahiro Tanaka, because actually Happ and Tanaka both had – ERA is north of four last year, so that could be a little bit of a concerning factor. And I mean, they, they I mean, the team, I mean, the team in terms of ERA, they, they ju only just ranked in the top half last year. They were 14th in the league in ERA. So that's just, so that could definitely be, I think starting pitching could definitely be a big uncertainty. However, like in this kind of, in this 60 game season, though, starter, one of the thing biggest changes we'll see, I think, will be starters pitching less anyways, because we're probably going to see a lot more of the opener or like bullpen guys coming out because you'll want to like rest guys longer. So that would be so if 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 we do see what I'm expecting to see, which is a lot of which is a lot more bullpen presence, then I think the Yankees starting struggles won't be too big of an issue. I have to agree with you, both Henry and Ben right there, because I think after Cole, I think Cole always still like six or seven innings, but everyone else, they might have a short leash because every game is just that more important. The Yankees have so many options at the pen. So there's definitely a lot of upside of Tanaka and Patson because both of them can pitch almost like aces when they need to. But after that, yeah, I'm worried about Montgomery and Hap. Montgomery hasn't seen action since 2017. Hap had a poor 2019. So it's not that great, but if they can get like five innings out of them or even four, they should be all right. 
I think you said it well there, Adam. It's it's not that great, but it should be enough. I, I think this is a championship caliber team, and, and nobody's going to argue that. Uh, I'm going to keep us moving in the interest of time, and let's let's touch back on the Red Sox for a little bit. Um, in the offseason, we see Mookie Betts and David Price shipping out to Los Angeles, uh, kind of signaling maybe a uh, rebuild to come for Boston. But I, I talked about it earlier, guys. I do still really like that lineup. I think there's plenty of pieces to still be excited about. Uh, so you guys, tell me uh, what are some strengths that you do like about Boston? And if you want to go ahead, if a weakness comes up, go ahead. Tell me something you don't like about them, too. I really like the left side of the infield for the Red Sox. Devers and Bogarts look really sharp. Martinez is also going to be really good. Then you have a lot of other subsidiary kind of a tier two pieces and Benintendi, Vasquez behind the dish had a great breakout season last year. So they have still some great pieces of hitting. Obviously they're affected by bets, but they still look like they're really strong in the, in the batting order. Yeah, I'm going to agree with that. And they have like a, variety of guys in the batting order who have both shown they can hit for good averages while displaying a lot of power so i think they're i think they're pretty much set hitting wise but i think the next thing we're gonna have to touch on is their biggest weakness which is their pitching well go ahead lead the way ben that's where i was going next yeah well obviously i mean with the absence of like price now is going going to the dodgers and also like who, who was the other uh, Porcello on his way out playing with the Mets now? Yeah, not um, to mention that you lose Chris Sale for the season. Um, we shut down with an elbow, I think, but whatever it is, he's out for the year. No Chris Sale this year. Not to mention Eduardo Rodriguez, another guy in the rotation, was one of the guys who tested positive for COVID. So we might not have another factor in their rotation. I do think there's some promise, though, like we like we were saying earlier when we kind of discussed this, the, there is promise in their bullpen, though, so that could potentially save them in some games. I think their bullpen kind of got a bad reputation last year. Uh, I know they blew some games at the back end of that bullpen, uh, but I looked it up on Fangrass before we came on the show tonight. They actually had the fifth best war uh, as a unit uh, by all bullpens in baseball last year. So I was surprised to see that. Uh, but, you know, they do have some some decent guys and Brandon Workman and Matt Barnes. Um, and then I guess some some other guys flying more under the radar who are being effective, too. So, But I think that starting pitching is pretty abysmal, as you touched on, Ben. Adam, I'm sure you're looking forward to the, the Yankees teeing off on those guys. Yeah, I think I mentioned it on Twitter earlier, but it does not seem like a rivalry right now. It's not like how it was in 2018 when the Red Sox smote the Yankees in the playoffs. And it is, and I, I do I do agree with you guys how the bullpen looks sharp with Barnes and Workman. They also have uh, some good strikeout potential in Hembry and Brazier. Maybe that's why they're so up there in War too. Yeah, and you know I think it's a team that we wouldn't be surprised to see them in the playoffs, especially in a sixty game season. But I do think they they certainly seem to be trending downwards and at, at getting further away from being a rivalry with the Yankees, like you said, Adam. And it's happened really quickly, which is, is kind of weird to see a team go from being a dynasty like the Red Sox were for the better part of a decade to uh, just seeing that flip switched all of a sudden. Um, but I'm sorry to, to rush through Boston, guys, but I want to talk a little bit about Tampa Bay. 
And I think when you're talking about things you like about them, we, we talked a little bit earlier. I think pitching is, is the first thing you got to go to. Adam, you, you sounded like you came around to it earlier. I know I got a little bit of pushback. I think maybe I know from Ryan, maybe from you two in February when I said the Rays were the, the best rotation in the division. But we're all ready to accept that now, right? That's the best rotation in the East. I have to put away some of my Yankee bias, but yeah, they, they essentially have three aces in, in Glass now, in Snell, and in Morden, and then in the bullpen, like they have Nick Anderson, who I think issued like all of two walks when coming over. They have Chaz Rowe, Nasty Slider, Jose Alvarado has like one of the, a 98 mile per hour sinker. So just all of their bullpen is filled. All their starting fishing has ace like level uh, contests, and then even back in the rotation in Yanni Chirinos and Ryan Yarborough, they look really good. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned uh, Nick Anderson too. I heard uh, the other day in like the, his 20 game stretch since coming over to Tampa Bay last year, it was like statistically the best stretch in reliever history in baseball. So pretty insane talent there and all across the board, their pitching is insane. Ben, I, I think you've touched on it earlier in uh, today's show. You like their pitching as much as we do. Right? I do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, besides how they have th guys who would be aces on other teams, three guys who would be aces on other teams and their starters, not to mention, I mean, Donnie Torinos, I mean, he's not, I mean, he might not be bad. No, but anyways, with the bullpen, though, I mean, like you touched on with Nick Anderson, there's also a couple other names I think are really underrated. Jose Alvarado was doing pretty well last year till his injury. I remember I had him on my fantasy team last year. And, and also, like, also, that, that guy Emilio Pagan. I mean, I watched him in his days with the A's. He can be a he can be one of the more effective middle inning guys in the game. I think it's kind of underrated what he can do. And yeah, the rate the Rays management's just done a nice job finding some a lot of these reliever names out of nowhere. Do I have a quick note? I believe Emilio Pagan is with the Padres now. Oh, okay, it's yeah. Right. Traded late last season, but definitely a very good reliever and it kind of just speaks to how strong their bullpen is that they can get rid of a guy who was their best reliever in the second half uh prior to the nick anderson trade but yeah a strong unit and and very strong pitching for whatever reason though i always feel like the rays win more games than i think they should i feel like they always overperform or maybe i like dislike them more than i should and for me, it, it kind of goes back to the lack of star power on offense. Like for years, it was like Evan Longoria was kind of like the undercover superstar or under the radar superstar. Now maybe it's it's Austin Meadows. And I don't know if, if that's really enough. Like in crunch time, they don't have like the star-studded lineup that you maybe know you can count on in the clutch. Like so the Yankees have have more of that for sure. They have the, the, the big sluggers that you know are going to show up in the big moments. And it's it's maybe Austin Meadows, like I said, for the Rays. They have guys that get it done. They have role players. I just Is the lack of star power a concern for you guys too? A little bit. Even Meadows, he's expected to regress, had a really good first half, not so great second half, and really high batted ball in play. After that, maybe William Damas, who hasn't even fully developed yet. So uh, it's definitely their weak point, and they can't really handle the other AL, uh, American League teams in terms of hitting. Well, I, I'm sorry again uh, to rush us through this, guys. And, and we're already at 40 minutes, and I feel like I'm rushing, but I guess that's just how much uh, how much I love talking about baseball, where, where time flies like this. 
I wanted to, to go ahead and get into the Blue Jays a little bit before. I think Adam is going to have to leave us a little bit early tonight. Um, but Adam, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, the Blue Jays? I know you were excited about them earlier. Can you just break down a little bit more what you like, what you don't like? Well, their starting pitching looks a lot more improved. They have Ryu, who is second in the Cy Young Award race in the NL last year, who is, who is great. They have Tanner Rourke and Chase Anderson, who are good subsidiary pieces. They're Infield looks great. Um, as I mentioned, Biggio, Guerrero Jr., Bichette, maybe even Rowdy Telez. I think outfield is a little bit weak. Grichik, Teoster, Hernandez, not not so great. So they still have some rough edges. Their bullpen is is not too great after Ken Giles. Maybe a couple of interesting pieces in Anthony Bass and Thomas Pannone Jr. So they seem like still a mediocre team, but maybe they'll see the expectations in a shorter season. When will the second generation big league outfielders show up for the Blue Jays to start drafting? They they do need to start filling uh, filling some more legacy spots out there. The outfield is definitely weaker in comparison to that. What looks like it could be a star-studded infield, and we we are definitely excited to to grow with them as the years uh, in the coming years. Um, I am worried about the pitching, though. There's not a whole lot there to get excited about, and I think they're going to end up giving up a whole lot of runs, which is why I'm, I'm a little hesitant to, to pick them as a dark horse team to, to win the division with a wild card. Ben, uh, I think I might have jumped in line there. What, what do you like? What do you dislike about the Blue Jays? I'll have to agree with you there, how I like the infield something. I do think, actually, the pitching I have a little more confidence in because, I mean, Hying G Ryu, you're not just getting any pitcher with it. Not only was he second in Cy Young, I mean, he had the lowest ERA and whip. I think he's been one of the most effective pitchers and was one of the most effective pitchers in baseball last year. So I think pitching could be good. I do agree, though, that I don't know if they really have the bullpen to fully carry them in games. Not to mention, I just think some parts of their infield are maybe a little overrated because actually Vlad Guerrero Jr., while he's provided definitely some excitement at the plate, he's still – says he still has been a little inconsistent fielding was the other thing I was reading. And I mean, the thing, the thing with that is I know it's easy to like develop, but in the 60 game season, that might be something that's harder to. That's a good point too, man. And and how much can we really judge uh, the direction of this team or the development of these players based off a 60 game sample size? It'll definitely be, be tough to make decisions after this season, you know, like in free agency, do you go out and, are you a buyer based on your team won 32 games in this 60 game season? So for teams like the Blue Jays that are figuring out their identities, this is this definitely represents a challenge. And I'm glad you brought that up. Um, now I was pretty much gonna skip right over the the Orioles, um, but you guys you spent a little bit of time researching the Orioles, so I don't want that to be for nothing. Uh, if anybody has has a tidbit they would like to get out there about the Orioles, please speak now. I actually, I actually like. There's a couple players I like, believe it or not, that have like little underrated qualities. But obviously, since with the, the Orioles, no one notices them because all they're thinking about is Chris Davis and how they made a mistake with the contract. But I just want to quickly say they have that guy Trey Mancini is actually, I'd say, one of the more exciting players to watch in the game of baseball. He actually has a good mix of power and average hitting, and their second baseman isn't bad either, Hanser Alberto. He actually had one of the lowest strikeout rates among qualified. Hitter. So I think there's a couple positive parts in their offensive productions. Just obviously their pitching is like has con consistently over the years been incomprehensibly bad. So I mean, 
obviously none of those good offensive parts really go noticed is the problem. Adam, any thoughts on the Orioles? Yeah, I think Alberta was a nice surprise last year. May have been uh, a lucky recipient of bad, bad, bad balls in play, but there's also Renato Nunez, who I believe had 30 home runs last year, just came out of nowhere and plays middle infield of Austin Hayes, who is a pretty slick center fielder with some pop, although a bit of a low batting average. I think the most to look at or the best highlight of the Orioles is their prospects, however, and we were starting to get into that during the beginning of the show because they have Ryan Mountcastle, who had 25 home runs in AAA. They have Dean Kramer, who is, could be the first Israeli-born major leaguer. He actually even played the fields I played at when I lived out in Israel, which is just really awesome. They have uh, Adelie Ruchman. Hopefully I'm pronouncing his name right, but he is a great slugger as well. So the future looks bright, and hopefully it comes through sooner rather than later, but it might take them a few years. Yeah, I think they're at least a couple years out, uh, if not more. But there, there are some bright spots there. It's it's not a complete wasteland, and maybe I shouldn't have been wanting to skip over Baltimore entirely. You guys have shown me there are some things to discuss. Uh, I'm excited to see Ryan Mountcastle, but I do wonder if that happens this year because I mean the Orioles don't really figure to have a whole lot to play for and. I know that it's – I've heard, like, guys uh, – they've talked about Mackenzie Gore with the Padres, where if you keep him down for, like, the first week of the season, then you get an extra year of service time. I don't know how that changes if you were to keep somebody down for an entire season, but, I mean, the Orioles don't really have any reason to, to bring up Ryan Mountcastle and start that service time clock because they're not going to be good. And maybe you make the argument it's a 60-game season where they if there was a time to do it, it's now, but – I don't know. I, you know, they, they have some guys that like uh, Santander and Trey Mancini, who you talked about, Ben. It's just hard for me to know really how good they actually are at the plate when we see Manny Machado, Lee Camden, and then his numbers just kind of fall off the face of the planet. So I'm taking all of that with a little bit of a grain of salt, uh, which kind of feels mean, like I'm kicking a team that's already down. So sorry, Orioles, uh, not to rain on any kind of parade any semblance of a parade that you all had uh but we're gonna move on no more mean things about baltimore um guys if you had to pick and i think we may have lost adam uh yeah. on a time constraint tonight uh but we've been on pretty long tonight 45 minutes with adam is is more than we deserve uh but <laughs> we'll, we'll stay on a couple minutes longer just you and i've been if you don't mind I just I want to know if, know if you have a pick for MVP for the AL East. Who, who's the best player in the division in your eyes? Well, like I was saying before, when I was talking about breakout player or who comes to mind of being a breakout, I think that's what we were talking about earlier. I really am liking Giancarlo Stanton and his return. He's just had so much time to recover from his injury. yet He sustained last year neck injury, and he should be – he, and, and I just, and I mean, when, when he came back, he started to show some promises of hitting. So, and plus you won't have to worry about putting him in the field really. So I'm looking, I, I, I'm hope, I think it's going to be someone in the middle of the Yankees or if not John Carlos Stanton, then possibly Aaron Judge because who knows teams could pitch around John Carlos Stanton and then have to pitch to Aaron Judge. But I think it's definitely one of those guys in the heart of the Yankees or that's just how good they are. I think you make a great point that that lineup is conducive to MVP type numbers that somebody is going to benefit from all those runs, all those RBI in the middle of the lineup and judge and, and Stanton too. certainly good candidates. 
I like the Stanton pick. I think that's uh, a little bit of a dark horse and maybe not the uh, maybe not the favorite to take home the hardware, but I could certainly see it happening. I mean, he's he's been an actual MVP before, only a couple of years ago. It's just all about staying healthy. I mean, he's going to hit home runs if he's healthy in that little league ballpark. And Adam's not even here to defend it anymore. Uh, but my pick for MVP, I'm going to go a guy who might be a little more close to the to the favorite position, and I'd say J.D. Martinez, uh, one of those Red Sox that people may have forgotten about but can still hit Mookie or no Mookie. That lineup's still going to have plenty of counting stats in the middle. Uh, J.D. Martinez is going to bat 300 and give you a 40 home run pace, whatever that equals out to in a 60-game season, 100 RBI, 100 run. That pace, whatever that equals out to. I don't want to do the math right now, Ben. It's getting too late for that. Um, but yeah, I think JD Martinez is going to surprise some people too. Who I got, you uh, got to love him. Yeah, I mean he's he, he's always been like one of those fairly underrated guys who just oh, who just always seems to be able to figure it out each season. Like I don't even remember the last bad season he really had. Oh, it, any of that have happened in the last like five, six years now would have been because of health. That was always the thing. He couldn't stay on the field, but moving to the AL and DHing most of the time, I think has helped him a lot there to where he's able to, to be in the lineup just about every day for Boston. And when he's in the lineup, he's always hit. Uh, do you have a AL or AL East Cy Young candidate you like better than Garrett Cole, or is it pretty much Garrett Cole's race to lose? I mean, considering... Considering the division, and I mean, although the Rays do have the better staff, I I I honestly think it's Garrett Cole's race to lose. I mean, because he still seems confident despite the despite the big contract. He's got some people think he might like fall under the pressure with his big contract, but I I don't think so. I think he's confident enough with his contract that he has nothing to lose this season. Yeah, I think the, the stuff is still going to be elite for Garrett Cole, no matter where he's at. And he's very much in the prime of his career still. Uh, gets a little bit of extra rest for that arm. Uh, played all the way into the World Series. And I'd say he'd be a winner of the shortened season or the delayed season. Both of the, both of the shortened season and the delay season help him out. And that you don't have to do it for 162 games. Uh, and then you also get a little bit of extra rest on the front end. So I would agree with you. I think it's Garrett Cole's race to lose. I'm a little bit worried about him moving to Yankee Stadium. I think the ratio numbers will go up a little bit there, just being such a hitters-friendly park. But Houston uh, was a pretty hitters-friendly park in its yeah, own right. So <laughs> you know, I, I don't think it's too drastic of a bump there. Maybe you know, slightly. Uh, Slightly better for hitters in Yankee Stadium, so something to watch out for. I think the division also, where you see the numbers go up a little bit playing AL East opponents, especially playing only AL East opponents in the shortened season, uh, and then NL East opponents were pretty good as well. So we've gone on pretty long tonight. I, I don't want to take too much of your time on your first show here, Ben. How about uh, to wrap it up, you just go ahead and give me your standing projections for the AL East. In this division, I mean, one one division that was once, I mean, I, growing up, I, it was it was always like the wealthiest division in sports. I always th thought of it as that just because you had both the Yankees and Red Sox, one of the most competitive divisions. I honestly think with this year, though, with the shortened season, it's going to be 
interesting. While while I while I was thinking that the Rays are going to give the Yankees a good run for their money and will probably be one of the wild card teams because they're just cut out for a sixty game season. I just see the Yankees as being just too much of an elusive component for anyone to get by. So I see the Bronx Bombers again taking the AL East for sure. Yeah, I would agree. I think the Yankees are, are definitely. I, a pretty safe bet to, to come in first. The Rays are pretty good too. I could see it happening. I, I would go Rays second. I still like Red Sox third. And I'm going to agree Jays, with you there, yeah. Like Blue Jays fourth and then Orioles last, which I feel like is probably a, a chalk standings there. I don't think I'm really making any earth-shattering projections, but that's how I see it playing out. Ah. Well, thank you, Ben, so much for joining the show. Again, we are thrilled yeah, well, to you. have you as part of the team. It's been a blast. Uh, it's been a very, very quick 52, 53 minutes for me. It, it kind of flew by. It always does when, I, when I'm talking uh, baseball with the ex-Velo guys. I'm sure you will come to find that as we record more shows going forward. Uh, so, viewers, thank you all for tuning in. We're hoping uh, to get another preview or two out before the season begins. Uh, we only have eight days now until the 23rd, eight days. It'll be seven, maybe if you're listening tomorrow. So we may not have time to get all the divisions covered again, uh, but we should have another couple shows before the season begins and we will be covering baseball as the season uh, goes on. So stick with us. Uh, this is the Exit Velo podcast prevented by or presented <laughs> by Backsports page, enabled by Backsports page. So. Thank you for tuning in, Ben. Uh, thank you for joining the show, and we will see you all next time.